Welcome, I'm Amy Kelly, also known as the Ish Girl. What's an Ish Girl? She's someone who has humorous grace with herself after discovering she's messed up or flaked out again. Something that comes in handy if you're working with or raising middle schoolers. A former middle school teacher and mom to two teens of my own, I know the hair pulling, heart filling, crazy making, and joy filled experiences that come with teens. I created the In the Middle of It podcast for teachers and parents just like you who want to support and impact the teens in your life. Each week, I'll be sharing stories and strategies to encourage and equip you so that you can truly become the grown up your teens remember, a meaningful mentor who helped them find their way. Hey there, I am your host, Amy, also known as the Ish Girl, and I am so excited that you're with me right now. Now, summer is looming, and as the end of the school year approaches, my teens are in the midst of a flurry of projects and performances and tests. And at the same time, my job has gotten pretty busy, my day job, and then as well as this, doing the podcast. And then in addition, um, I'm helping my husband with some stuff for his family. So with a mountain of work between us and the freedom of summer, we've all found ourselves a little bit out of sorts kind of off our game. And it really all came to a head last week for my daughter and I, and I'm going to share more of that story later. But let me just say that the conversation that we had made me realize that our interactions had fallen into a very negative cycle. Are you with me on that? I don't know if some of you are hitting that negative cycle that comes with the end of the year too, but what I realized is that my parenting mojo was not where I wanted it to be. And it really started me thinking about the way that we talk about teens in our culture. And I know that sounds like a little far-fetched, but just stick with me because I was really thinking about how negatively we talk about this parent-teen relationship. So of course I headed to trusty Google and I looked up parenting quotes because I just was curious what would come up first. And while I related to some of those search results, some of it made me really sad. And here are some of those quotes that I found, and I think you'll you'll track with me on this. So I'll start out with this one. Dear parents of teens, this is hard. And welcome to being the parent of a teenager. Prepare for a large amount of eye rolling, emotional outburst, and thoughts of running away. And that's just the parents. And then the next one, raising teenagers is like nailing jello to a tree. That one's kind of funny, I think. Okay, the next one here is, when your children are teenagers, it's important to have a dog so that someone in the house is happy to see you. And then following along with that dog theme, the dog whisper is very impressive, but I need the number for the smart aleck teenager whisperer. I modified that one a little bit, as I'm sure you can imagine. And then here's the next one. Teenagers, tired of being harassed by your parents? Act now. Move out, get a job, and pay your own way. Quick, while you still know everything. And then the next one is, mothers of teenagers know why animals eat their young. And then this one, which this one really did kind of take me aback, and I debated on whether or not to share it, but I thought I would just to show you just how prevalent this negativity towards this parent-teen relationship is. And it, it goes like this. Dear teen, it's not fun being your parent either. I secretly curse at you behind your back too. Sincerely, mom. So, wow. 
Now, there's a huge space on the spectrum between this is hard and I secretly curse you behind your back. Am I right? But what struck me as the commonality in all of them was the negativity and the adversarial nature. Now, back in episode eight, I talked about not getting into stupid arguments with your teens. And if you haven't listened to it, you can link to that episode in my show notes. And that's not really what I'm talking about here. It can definitely be a symptom of it. Having stupid arguments with your teen is a symptom of what I'm talking about. But what I'm really trying to capture is the environment that nurtures those kinds of stupid arguments and really goes beyond them to an underlying feeling of negativity or discontent and irritability that's pervasive and characteristic of your relationship with your teen. And I asked myself, like, does it really have to be this way? Is it really all that adversarial? And I don't know that there's a definite yes or no answer here. It would be really easy if there was, right? Like plug this into your teen or heck, plug it into yourself. And out comes a happy, non-confrontational, you know, picture perfect relationship. But I really think the better answer is not all the time. It doesn't have to be this way all the time because people are messy. I'm messy and so are my teens and there are going to be seasons where our schedules and our responsibilities are taxing and we're going to be grumpy and irritable with each other, right? And if you're like me and my family, sometimes you get trapped on that merry-go-round of arguing and sniping and assuming the worst about each other. And we're going so fast, it's hard to even recognize that it's happened. And it really takes what I found is some focusing outside the world of my everyday life to kind of see that pattern. And for me over the past week, what this has meant is focusing on my values, beliefs, and priorities for my parenting and for my family and seeing where I need to make adjustments. And to me, that's that's my focal point. That's that part that's outside of the merry-go-round that we're on some time that's solid and steady. And that's those values that I have and that I've kind of worked out what I believe about my parenting and my priorities for my kids and my values and all that kind of good stuff. Now, on the off chance that you find yourself in a similar negative cycle with your teens right now, I thought I'd share some of the things that have helped me snap out of it and get back on track. And maybe some of this will resonate with you too. I I sure hope so. So the first thing is slow down, really slow down and be present in the moment, first of all. But also I would say, Find ways to slash things in your schedule that reflect your teen as a priority. And what this looked like for me was canceling some plans with friends, giving up some me time where I felt like I could do that. And and a lot of that had to do with, you know, giving up some reading time or really pushing through maybe in the evenings when I was ready to crawl into bed, but my teens were ready to talk or open to talking, I should say. And then also even making the effort to have meals at home rather than out. Now, with our busy schedule, it's really easy for us to just say, hey, we're just going to go pick up food and, and we'll eat at home, but it's not quite the same as preparing a meal together and, and and doing the whole thing. So so really making the effort to have meals at home is helpful for me as part of slowing down and really trying to get back on track with my family. And then I would also say the second thing would be to get really deliberate and intentional in your interactions with your teens. And I know, again, I think I have said this on practically every episode, and that is take deep 
breaths. And so rather than reacting to what your teen is saying or the tone that they're using or or whatever the communication is going on in between the two of you, stop before you respond, before you react and take two or three deep breaths to give yourself a minute to think. I I promise you it does make a difference. So take a deep breath and then also in getting deliberate with your interactions, I would say plan some one-on-one time with them so you can really focus your attention on what they're saying or what they're not saying. And so you're really connecting with them in an authentic way. So really prioritizing that time with them and doing it in a one-on-one setting so that you're really making that connection. And then the third thing is something that I learned as a teacher, not just like in, in a seminar setting or an in-service setting, but really in practice as well. And, and that is this, when you treat teens as if they were already the people that you want them to be, if they're all as if they were already at the point and the level that you want them to be at, or behaving the way you want them to behave, or whatever it is, if you treat them as if they are already that, they usually rise to the occasion. So this can be hard a little bit when it's with your own kids. I found like when I was a teacher, it, it the kids really responded well. Like if you treat them as poets and scholars, they rise to the occasion and our poets and scholars. But with your own kids, sometimes it can be hard because they're probably going to test you on this. I, I have found this personally, I would say. But if you can maintain your cool and really be persistent in treating them as if they are being respectful and kind and graceful and generous with you, if you can go with reacting to them as if that's how they were behaving, then I have found that they really do, once they get past that initial, like, what is mom doing? And is this really going to last? If you can persevere through that, it really does change your dynamic. Also, as part of this, I, I think, find something to compliment them on. And this is one that I, if I'm remembering right, I got this from my mom when my oldest was three. And if you have teens and you've gone through the the three-year-old stage, um, threes were really hard for some reasons. People say terrible twos. We really found threes were much more challenging. And I remember days when I would just cry because I felt like I was just constantly on my three-year-old and correcting and putting in time out. And so I really stopped myself and made the effort to find a couple of things each day where I could give some positive feedback. So I would say do the same thing with your teen. Find some way to give them positive feedback, compliment them on something that's not related to something they have no control over, like appearance or, or whatever. But but more a compliment about something they do have control over, like their attitude or their effort in something or taking the initiative in some area. So find ways to give compliments. And then also I would say, this would be the fifth thing, choose compassion over a lecture. And especially, or even if what they're going through, whatever it is that they're walking through that um, compassion would be appropriate for is something that's a result of their own mistake or their own bad decision. Now, follow me here on this one. So for instance, rather than lecturing about 
okay, you left your lunch at home. And so you had to buy lunch, but you didn't have any money in your account. So you didn't have a very good lunch. And so now you're grumpy after school. So rather than lecturing about don't forget your lunch and the reason you're in this spot is because you forgot your lunch, rather than that say, wow, I bet you're really hungry. How can I best help you right now? And I think that goes a long way because your kids are to the point as teens where they know they need to bring lunch to school. Like your teen knows that they have responsibilities and that when they don't follow through on them, there are very practical consequences to that. And we know that too. So just to give you an example for this, I took my son to school last week and we got almost there and he had forgotten something at home. And so we had to come all the way back home and then go back to school. And fortunately, he had plenty of time. There's plenty of time. It was more just inconvenience. And my first reaction was like, what? You know, oh my goodness. And to kind of fuss a little bit. And then I stepped back and I said, you know what? I'm really sorry. Like I, I should not have led with that. Like we all forget things. We all make mistakes. I'm so sorry. Forgive me for, for jumping down your throat on that. So that happened. I draw, I took him back to school. I ran to pick some things up and forgot my wallet. I realized I had forgotten my wallet. So here I had just been all over my son about something that he had forgotten. And I did the same thing. So what I did in that moment was I shared that with him. I texted him and I said, you won't believe this. Like after all that with you and the thing that you forgot, I forgot my wallet. Like, you know, isn't that so see, isn't that funny? I did the same thing that you did. So sharing those moments and being authentic and real and really choosing compassion over a lecture, I think goes a long way in changing a negative cycle. Okay, that brings me to the next point, which I kind of touched on just now, which is be quick to apologize. When you mess up or you fall back into those negative patterns or cycle, apologize. But don't expect an apology back necessarily because you've got to remember you're in this for the long game. Now, it's funny because my mom and I were actually just having this conversation because I have called her many times over the past few years as my kids have been teens to apologize to her. And she reminded me of a story of some things that happened when I was a teen and our morning routines, getting ready for school, and and some things that we had happen on those mornings that, you know, that was 30 years ago that I was in high school, 30 years or so ago, and we're still talking about it. So I actually shared this story in the letter that I sent out to all of my beloved subscribers this week. So if you were able to get that email, I hope you can um, read that story and enjoy it. And if you don't get my emails, this is one of those times when I would just encourage you to sign up so that you can kind of get those behind the scenes personal stories that I share only in those emails, nowhere else, not here on the show, not um, not on my website either. So sign up and you can do that at theishgirl.com. There's a button on the front page where you can sign up for that weekly letter. I digress. Sorry about that. So the la- that last point was be quick to apologize, but don't expect an apology back. And then the next point it would be to keep your eyes on the bigger picture while you're living in the moment. And what does this mean? Well, you got to know what your bigger picture is. For me, the bigger picture is knowing that this is just a season. It is going to pass. And this just because like this is who my teen is 
being right now, this is how they're behaving right now, it doesn't mean that's who they are and it doesn't mean it's who they'll always be. That's the bigger picture. And then also living in the moment means being engaged and authentic and connected and kind of going back to that example I gave about texting my son like, oh my goodness, like I just totally got all up in your grill about for you forgetting something and then I forgot too. Like that's being real and authentic and letting them know that, hey, I'm in this with you, totally behind you and 100% for you. And then my last suggestion would be to have grace just liberally, not just with your teen, but also with yourself so that when you do mess up, it's not this huge, horrible, prideful thing. You're having grace with yourself and letting yourself off the hook. And that, my friend, is something very important to model for your teen as well. Now, speaking of modeling, I'm going to go back to that story about my daughter and I last week because when the fireworks were kind of going off and we were in a big discussion one of the things that she said to me during that talk was something I will never forget and I'm going to paraphrase it here a little bit but I'm going to share it with you what she said to me was mom if you can't have patience and be loving with me when we're arguing how am I ever going to be able to If you can't do it, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to do it because you're the grown up. And what she was saying, and and I know this because I clarified it with her, was that I wasn't walking the walk, that she looks to me as a role model and I was falling down on the job. And I just say like a great big ouch, just ouch, that really stung, especially because she was right. She was right. I was falling down on the job of being a good role model. But you know what? She was also wrong. And this is what I talked to her about. And I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but I am a Christian and she is as well. And so while it's natural and appropriate for my teens to look to me as a role model, it's really up to me to make sure that they understand that I'm on the journey with them and that we're all following Christ. It's not just them following Christ. I am too. I'm on that journey right now too. And I might be a few steps further along in the path, but I am never going to be free of missteps and mistakes on this side of heaven, and neither will they. So really trying to help her understand that while yes, I am a role model for her, I will never be a perfect one. I will never get to the point where I'm not going to in some way disappoint her because I am not perfect and only Christ is. And helping her see that and see me as a a fellow sister in Christ from that perspective is really what I focused on on in that conversation with her. This week has been better. There have been more conversations and less arguments. There has been more grace and fewer lectures. There have been sweet evenings spent on the back patio sharing about our days, which is something that we don't take for granted here in Texas when it's going to be 110 degrees not too long from now, I would say. Now, I know that we might find ourselves back in that negative cycle again in That's okay, because it's truly not about not making mistakes or messing up. It's about what you do afterwards that matters. It's about how you come back together and reconcile and make things right again. As for the quotes that I looked up that I mentioned earlier on Google, I did come across a few positive ones as well. 
And here's the one that I particularly liked. Life affords no greater responsibility, no greater privilege than the raising of the next generation. And that was said by C. Everett Koop. And I've included it in my show notes because I liked it so much. Now, if you'd like more resources to help you connect with your teen, I would love for you to sign up for access to my free resource library. There's a link in my show notes for that um, here in iTunes or on my episode webpage, which is at theishgirl.com episode 14. That's T-H-E-I-S-H-G-I-R-L.com forward slash EP14. Now I've got all kinds of goodies there waiting for you. So I really hope that you check that out and get signed up for that. And when you're one of my beloved subscribers, as I told you earlier, you're going to get those behind the scenes stories and information that I don't share anywhere else. So don't miss out. Go to my website, theishgirl.com and sign up to be part of that newsletter. Or when you sign up to get the resources from my free library, you'll also be signed signing up for that newsletter as well. I just want to thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Just remember from an ish girl who cannot wait until summer is here. It is all about connection, not perfection. Perfection.